And in that picture here you see on the screen is the actual city of Thursus, the gate of Thursus, is an ancient gate. And um, just a, a few, actually do a little search um, online, you'll see some other images. Not a whole lot left from the era of Pali. Uh, now Paul changes his name, we'll see that in the book of Acts, about halfway, actually half the book of Acts is written about Paul. It looked like St. Luke took the time to write nothing but Paul for the whole, almost half the book of Acts. The word Paul means small, humble in Latin. Um, after he actually encountered the um, appearance of Christ to him, I'm going to get that in detail in a minute, he went and lived in Arabia. And when you say the word Arabia, at the time, all the deserts in Syria, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia, all was called Arabia. So he lived there for three years. He didn't write much about those three years, but actually he introduced something that followed later by other leaders of the church. And that's why I want to make a link between Paul, for example, and St. Anthony. St. Anthony and St. Paul and other leaders of the church followed the footsteps of St. Paul, even though he didn't say much about live isolated from the cities. Um, also, Um, when I talk about St. Paul, also he mentioned he was a, from the tribe of Benjamin. That's one other thing that he mentioned in, the, in, the, in his writing as well as in the book of Acts. He's a tribe of Benjamin. As we all know, there's 12 tribes of children of Jacob. So he was actually more religious than most, most people of, over time had lost the tribes. They're just Jewish, right? But for the people who are really into religion, they actually trace back their ancestors to which tribe of Israel he's from. Um, you also knew about Paul that his trade, he made tents. So he was very talented in making, that was a job basically, prior to becoming an apostle. And he continued on working through the rest of his life, even in Rome at the later part of his life. Um, this is kind of background on Paul. But there's a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of pieces on Paul that you actually wanted to see and know that he is actually in the, Patriarch for a lot of the teaching, we actually do it without realizing it's Paul. I selected, there is no multiple chapters in the book of Acts, it's very hard for me to pick which one. The believing of Paul was mentioned twice in the book of Acts, chapter 9 and chapter 22. But I selected 22 because his own word. In other words, chapter 9 was written by St. Luke on behalf of Paul, if that makes sense. But chapter 22, that's his own words. He would stand up and talking and say, Brethren and fathers here, my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in Hebrew language, he kept all the more silent. He was talking to the uprising of the Jews against him. So Paul was very smart to speak to them, obviously, in Hebrew because they're going to hear the language, they're going to get quiet. And that's exactly what he did. And he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel. That name was mentioned in the book of Acts several times, as well-known teacher of the Jewish uh, Torah, and there's multiple people who went to study for him. There's two names was mentioned in the Bible, Nicodemus and earlier, and then Gamaliel is another guy. Both of them well-known at the time for teaching the Torah to other, to other people. Uh, taught according to the scripture of Father's Law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I have uh, persecuted this way 
to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest he that bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chain even those who were there to uh, Jerusalem to be punished. He's explaining his role in here. And um, the reason I, I picked that chapter is because he also mentioned about Stephen. In the book of Acts, it says, in chapter 9, uh, that the, we will read about uh, Stephen. He said it was a, a young man, his name was Saul, was watching the cloak while they stood with Stephen. Here, he's talking about himself. Now it happened that as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, and I want to stop at noon for a minute, because Paul is very precise on writing details or saying details. If he was traveling at night, for example, and he seen a light vision, makes sense. But he's noon. In that part of the world, probably very sunny, very bright. Right? And then, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I felt it around and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Um, this is his own word again, defending himself from the Jewish leaders. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. And I want you to think for a minute. The Bible didn't say anything about those folks walking with Paul. They were very close. This is the message for all of us, actually. If you think about it. Very close, yet we don't know where they went. They saw the light that they can see Paul, cannot see. They have to take him to Damascus. They were very, very close, but they may have missed them up. We don't know. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, as in Damascus, came to me and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the time at that same hour I looked up to him at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers had chosen you that you should know his well and see just uh, the just one. And hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have been, have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I wanted to, to kind of get you the background of Damascus visit by Paul. So he went there blind. And you have to go back and read chapter 9 and write chapter 22. You have to do that homework to kind of make the connections. And now this priest comes to him and tells him this. And then I want to put that line under, be baptized and washed away your sin. Even though Paul had met Christ face to face. Even though Paul had met Christ face to face. That still required Paul to go through the sacraments. 
And that's basically the church from the first century doing the same thing. Doing the same thing to the apostles and others. You wanted to highlight those little things because a lot of people over time say, well, this was back 20 centuries ago. The church is the same church. You are the work of the apostles, believe it or not. If you were your grandparents and so on, believed in Christ based on a witness by one of those apostles and just get generation after generation, and here you are. So you are technically the work of the apostles. So here, here Paul uh, basically confused, couldn't see, but he expected uh, future in Christianity, didn't know how. And this is here before actually he went to the Arabia. I apologize, I have to do all this right, uh, uh, reading for you, but you can actually see. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, when he said him, he's talking about Christ, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I say, Lord, they know that, that, that in every synagogue I am imprisoned and, and, and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I, was, I also was standing by cons uh, consenting to his death and guarding the blood of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. So it's clearly Paul is also mentioning in this chapter, that's why I selected this chapter, his instructions to leave and go to the Gentiles. And the word Gentiles, basically, the Jews called the other people who are not Jewish, who are not from the, the children of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Gentiles, everybody else, basically. But here's clearly the message from the Lord to him. You're going to go and go to the Gentiles. Um, this is here, chapter 9, and I have a picture here. This is a piece that's actually he did not say in chapter 22. Um, in, the, in Damascus, and he will talk about the same, I'm not going to read the first piece, but uh, Arise, go to the street called Straight. This is a message for. Uh, and he's the, the priest in this case, and inquired in the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. This is the street in Damascus. So you can make the connection. So I, that's why I went back and forth between 2 and 2 and 9 um, to see that. So that's basically the background on Paul. And again, the video earlier gave us the same background. But um, I wanted to talk about his writings. And uh, the video said 13, we're going to say it's 14, we're going to make the argument. Um, the impact of Paul is quite, quite a bit on the early church and today's church, believe it or not. There's a lot of stuff in his writings. I don't know, a lot of people read it, but they don't pick on the things that's in there. Um, he basically wrote a little bit over the 50% of the New Testament by himself. If you can't have the book of Acts, for sure it's more. Because the book of Acts he did not write, that is Luke, but he wrote the other books. Um, and it was tough for the early church not to conclude the book of the Hebrews at the very end of the writing of Paul. And you will see an argument, especially in the West, Paul didn't write it, Paul will, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, the, the, the writings is actually split into two groups. 
The first one, the churches. So you'll see the name of the city. Like for example, he wrote the book to the Romans, even before he went to Rome. He wrote it early on. Now the order in the books in the New Testament has nothing to do with the poems written. Anybody want to guess what's the reason? It's on the screen for me, right? By size. They're there by size. So they put the book together. They said, okay, which is the biggest one? After the book of Acts. And just went down all the way to the very end. The book of the Hebrews got put aside for a reason. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And that's why it created more confusion, actually, for people nowadays looking back at it and say, well, maybe not Paul. Um, the other ones are written to individuals. We have uh, Titus, Timothy, and Philip. So this is the, the last three individuals. Uh, Timothy, you have one and two. But uh, the point is, the churches or the individuals. They, the, the early church also called them the, the passage to the individuals, and the pastorials, for the priest type of thing. But this is Paul's writing. Um, out of these books, the question is how many he wrote while he was in jail in Rome. Minimum is four, but it's more than four. But let's say it's four. It's quite a bit. Right? So it's more than a third of them. Written while he was in jail in Rome. This is actually his uh, jail, if you want to call it that, in Rome today. And people come in to do a liturgy in it. They just tell the visitors you cannot visit from this time to this time. I know a priest in California who did this sort of thing. This was actually a house Paul rented because he was not considered a criminal. Under the Roman law, if you're not considered a criminal, they don't have to, to house you. Like they give him a soldier to guard him all the time, and he was in chain with that soldier. But Paul can live anywhere. While if you're a criminal, you live under the law, so you're in a jail, belong to the Roman Empire. You can't get out, you can't get received visitors, you can't, you can't, you can't. So this is basically in Rome. And as if you go with it, you'll see multiple pictures there. Um, the people that visited Paul there, he mentioned some of them. Timothy was one of them as well. Most, most historians believe Timothy, the second epistle of Timothy with the last one written time-wise. Because Paul is talking at the very end about his um, God's has saved you from the thousand of the lion. Because he went in front of Nero or about to go in front of Nero, and he mentioned also, I had fought a good fight. He was facing the farewell of Paul at the very end of his life. <clears throat> um, we said four at least written from the jail that he had was in Rome. So let's talk about um, why the book of Hebrew. Before I get into the book of Hebrew, I want to mention something. Uh, when you look at the um, Catholic Church, for example, they use the word canon. Anybody heard that term before? Yes. So canon is basically a law of the church. Okay? And this is more applied to monastic life than normal life. But there's some of it for normal life, but most of it's monks and nuns. The word canon actually, a Greek word, and came from, believe it or not, from a cane, like a, a stick, a measuring stick. And if you ever get to do a research, you'll find that 90% of the canons for monastic life, this all came from Egypt. So after Sanchez, the Archimedes, right, it's probably number one to look at the reference of the Bible. You can see St. Anthony, St. Bacchus, and St. Shunuda, basically 80% or more 
of all the Western Church canons. That's the three authors of it. I, I, I give you an example just to, what if a monk passes away and his family wanted to give him some, I mean, excuse me, his family passed away and wanted to give him an inheritance of money. They would say, well, then the money cannot go to the monastery, we're going to go to the monk. They have rules clarifying all those issues that you can think of. You can actually essentially the Russian and write. I did not realize how much writing he left, personally. But with that in mind, let's look at why the book of Hebrew is different. Paul will mention his name, Paul an apostle, not of men. Uh, Paul an apostle, a bond servant of God. But the book of Hebrew, he goes straight in the past, God spoke to our ancestors. So the book of Hebrew was actually written, as you can see from the title, to the Jews. Okay? Most people think it's also written from jail, at the end of life. Paul felt like he still did not, like you know how he wrote to the Romans while he was not in Rome? Now he's in Rome, he wanted to convince the Jewish people, hey, wait a minute, I have missed you, I'm not coming back, I know my sentence here is done, my life is going to end here, so I need to leave you a message. So, when he was writing this epistle, he struggled with the name. Because if he said Paul, well, Paul is a Gentile name. This is a Roman name. How many Jewish people want to listen to a Gentile guy talking about their religion? That's not going to work. And if he told them I'm Saul, that's his old name, that's considered the demonstration. They are the ones sent him to Rome to be killed because he's against them. So he struggled with the name. He can't use either one. We see the word brother Timothy versus son. And this, some of the other authors said, oh, look here, he, he's not really referring to Timothy as son. Some other epistle, he said, Brother Timothy. I wanted to also, in our churches, when somebody goes to a monastery to become a monk, they start with Brother So-and-so. And then become a priest later, or a monk later, some Luna, so a father. And then could be even a bishop. The minute you get elevated, no longer you go call back with your own name. We keep that today in our church. And this is, a, this is a piece that you can actually see through the Paul's writings. The minute you get elevated, no longer we go back to call those your former name. Okay? Uh, even addressing from, from the Pope, if he calls for a bishop, he no longer says, oh, it used to be Abuna Sonso. Now this Abuna Sonso is gone. That's just a, a tradition the church kept. This is came from Paul, actually. His style of writing, <clears throat> this specific book, if you think about Paul writing to the Hebrews, what do you think the language is going to be? Hebrew, right? Paul written all other 13 books in Greek. We did not have any writing of Paul in Hebrew. So this is probably the first one. And then when it gets translated, most likely translated by Timothy, the translation is not going to match with Paul's writing. Because it's translated by somebody else. And that's why a lot of the, not a lot, but some of the Western churches believe Paul only wrote, uh, wrote 15 books, not 14. But this is basically the argument for it. Um, it's ordered in the books after the, all of Paul's writing, because at the putting the book together and all the epistle, it all pertain to Christians, and then now this is to the Jews, so put it at the very end. So it's not a matter of when. It's just basically who is addressed by these epistles.
Now, this is an uh, interesting um, map showing the different uh, journeys of Paul traveling. The fourth journey at the bottom, most, most people don't, don't say he went four. Here my video said three. But the fourth one, he was basically complaining in Israel and modern day Israel. And he was sent to Rome to see Caesar. But it's still a mission because he was in Rome for more than two years. The Book of Acts is two years in a house he rented. So he went and he tried to convince the, um, the soldiers taking him, hey, it's not time for the ship to go. He said, no, the, the captain says, fine. And then they had a shipwreck in Malta. And in Malta, uh, when the, uh, you can read that, read that in the Book of Acts, uh, they got out of the water and it was cold. So they started getting wood to make fire up to get warm. And the um, Paul was putting the sticks in the fire and the viper got his hand, he shook it in the, in the fire. And the people around him said, okay, look at this guy, got to be a criminal. He survived the shipwreck, but he is dying of a poison snake. Paul did not die. Then they came back and said, who is God? He switched from criminal to God. And then the, the whole island believe in Christ because of Paul. And today, I believe it's February 10th every year, the big, huge day off from Malta, celebrating St. Paul wreck, wreck, shipwreck. It's a national holiday in Malta. You exist today. So this is his journey to Rome. This is his last of his, the last journey in his life as he went to Rome. Now I'm gonna conclude by saying that July 12th of the Feast of the Apostle, and the Feast of the Apostles in the Western Church is June 29th. They use the Gregorian year, we use the Julian year. They have 15 day difference. That's what happens also with our Christmas and so on. We celebrate both St. Peter and St. Paul together. Um, and I want to get two verses here for a reason. St. Paul, for St. Peter, uh, Book of Acts chapter 5, it says so they, um, that they brought the sick out into the street and laid them on bed and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. You'll hear some of this book back today in our church today. Um, the shadow of Peter is a lot stronger message to Christians, because we did not hear that about Christ himself. And Christ told his disciples, you're going to be able to make do more miracles than I did. We did not hear this before, the shadow of Peter. But the next one is the book of Acts chapter 19 now. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchief or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the disease left them and the evil spirit went out of them. So our ancient faith, like I like to say it, we still do the same thing. You'll hear some family say, hey, we got some uh, article from a monk, live somewhere. We heard about Pope Rose just now in our lifetime. So this is not something we started. That's something in the Bible stuff was Paul himself. So as you read, you may have to put uh, your, your eyes on these little differences that over time kind of disappeared, but we are the same church. It's the same Christ, same church. The difference is just time. Um, okay, so the last question I leave for you is what is your measure of faith? And that's going to be our topic for next week. Again, Romans 12, it's a whole chapter. Just read it as a homework. 
um, just to see what, what piece of that Roman 12 applies to you, or you can participate in that. It's about not just a life of, of being Christian uh, as a base. This is considered to be the, 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 the law of the law. You're going to provide the service based on what gifts God gave you. And you got gifts you may not even know. There's a minute so reading Romans 12. He'll list all kind of things. We'll go over that next week. Um, any questions? Jewish, so the, the, the Western, they're looking at the Greek between the other 13 and this one, so the Greek is not natural, the style is not natural, so therefore it's not Paul's. So it's written in Greek, and it's written in Hebrew originally. The translation is done by somebody else, Timothy. It was, it was carried Correct. It could be, but the, the style is different in Greek for sure. And that's why if you look at the, all the scholars say, oh, it's not, it's not Paul's writing because of the style, the language, the level. And again, it's like I write a letter in Arabic and give somebody else to translate. Their English translation and my English writing is not going to match. That's basically it. Now, do we have the artifacts, matter of fact, the uh, St. Catherine New Testament completed, that found to be completed about 325? It got the book of Hebrew in Greek. So it certainly got translated. Now, as the translation got weaker, sure, the whole Bible is written in Greek, got translated to English, we may have lost some of the meanings. But how, through all those years of translation and rewriting things, how did they manage to keep the word for the message? The good news is we still have the Greek one. We still have the original. And a lot of folks trying to translate it closer to the meanings, okay? And I'll give you an example. The word fasting, you'll start seeing it getting weaker. The word worship is actually getting weaker as well. Because sometimes when you go to another language, you might not have an exact uh, word to replace that word. So they get the closest possible to here. And so in English Bibles, for example, how many copies do we have? A lot. And that's basically all it has to do with the translations. So if you go with King James and New King James, and then after that, there's a lot of Bibles up there. And I actually sometimes glance at them just to see what is the writings. And I compare it to the Arabic as well. So. Certainly, I mean, it's, again, if you know Greek, you will read it the way it is. If you don't know Greek, so you're going to have to live with the translations. But that's, that's normal, though. But the message is the message, though. The message of Christ to the world is still the same message. Whether it's in Arabic, whether it's in English, whether it's in Greek, it's the same message. And people will follow Christ 
every day to the end of times. And all I'm saying is, you go back to your Bible and start doing, I'm not going to say do research, but at least do read and read carefully because what I mentioned about Paul's apron and, and a handkerchief, some people may read it just like random reading, but this is a big deal. Articles of the apostles, articles of saints, okay? And we, we can talk the relics of saints, why all those things evolved to where it is today. It didn't come from like somebody came up one day in the 10th century and said, I came up with an idea. No, it started with the apostles and it carried on throughout the centuries all the way to our times. We're the recipient of it and we don't know why. Thank you. Okay, we don't mind we stand up for prayer. Thank you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Lord. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the service we attended. Thank you for your words. Thank you for providing for us a light so that we can follow. So we didn't get lost in, in this world. With the prayers of those who've completed their mission here on earth, start with St. Mary, St. Peter, St. Paul, all the apostles. Here, all of us, we will say together, our Father, our Father.